Well, hello, my little turtle dove. Hello, my partridge in a pear tree. Feeling festive? Uh, a little bit festive. I'm just having a cigarette and a glass of red wine after dinner. Uh, looking forward to the great holiday that is Thanksgiving coming up. Oh, wait, you guys don't celebrate that, do you? Mm, let's give thanks to something else, I guess. And then we've got your favorite holiday right around the corner. Christmas. Coming back to Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's not a bad idea, actually. I see, as in, I think it's pretty good that you get the family gathering together and get it out of the way before Christmas itself. I actually think, like, um, Islam has a better idea of having several celebrations through the year. It does take the onus off the one big celebration doesn't it i quite like the idea of splitting it into smaller uh celebrations and with a different focus and the problem is our christmas is meant to be everything in one really whereas thanksgiving is more about family and giving thanks for your family is that correct also i um last christmas uh, last thanksgiving i did spend it with an american uh, she got a few uh, of her friends around the table. And I quite like the little ritual of going around the table and saying, yeah, I give thanks for X, Y, Z. Yeah. I I agree with you. I, I forget the original story. Um, I know it's sort of portrayed as pilgrims and Indians, but it's actually the history of Thanksgiving goes back to after Lincoln freed the slaves and the North and the South were really still at odds with each other and he thought how how can i keep this union together i forget the the year and uh they come they came up with this idea to unify the country and that's how the sort of spirit of thanksgiving sort of started and evolved it is you know everything portrayed as pilgrims and indians but it's actually a way to unify the country, bring the nuclear family back together, and to just appreciate one another for what we had. So was there any original element to the, um, the pilgrims and the Indians, or did they adopt that as a story, as a vehicle, for it to be um, almost like giving it a bit of, um, what's the word, provenance, you know, so that the American public would, would accept it is that the way it worked because like interestingly here in the uk we have something called the plowman's lunch you might know this fact but the plowman's lunch it conjures up such an image of you know the the guy in the field toiling you know toiling behind the plow but it was invented in i think the 60s or the 70s just to sell more cheese so was it lincoln's way of making sure that people ate your disgusting cranberries uh, there's there's probably some truth to that in the way it was sold. I mean, this was, it wasn't until, it didn't become a national holiday until sort of post-Civil War. The South still wanted to trade with Europe and the North, the economic goods were too expensive in the North and they wanted to sort of break ties with Europe and they tried to figure out how can we sort of unify the North and the South. And um, yeah, I think there's probably some storyline there of, Again, sort of like I am my brother's keeper. Here's what we've grown, sewn together, and let's share with one another and, you know, stay united. Let's not 
separate this great union that we've built together. But yeah, I think there's some storytelling in that. I, I, like I say, I can't remember the exact story, but I remember it being along those lines. Well, either way, I think it's brilliant marketing. Yeah. You know, uh, what is it also, you know, the, the people who eat together, not sleep together. Can't remember. If you want to be friends, break bread, all that lot around the table with food and to make a ritual of it. Genius. I really, really like it. I like the idea. An instant about how, you know, yeah, bringing together the North and the South. Isn't it funny how, you, you know, nations will divide by these clear, we talk about red and blue and all the rest of it. Nations will divide. Um, according to geography, we see it in Italy, we see it in the UK, we saw it in the US. I'm sure it happens all over the place as well. Hey, probably just where there's a change of climate, you know, um, and that works its way towards the equator. Either way, great story, really love it. I wonder though, if um, what you've told me, I wonder if the rest of the U of the US population acknowledges, understands, doesn't care about it, but if they even know about that, do you think they know the truth of it? Yeah, I don't. I don't think they know the truth. I think it's been lost in uh, mythology, folklore, pilgrims, Indians landing. Yeah, I don't think anybody really understands the full truth of why Lincoln did what he did and how he tried to sort of save the uh, Union because it's not taught in school. It's only if you sort of go out and read about it and understand it that you would know about it. Yeah, like so many things, it just falls into common use, doesn't it? Especially if you do the clever thing which Lincoln did, though, and predate it to the time and give it some kind of fake history like it. So there's a lot going on in the world. Do you want to talk about one of those, or do you want me to tell you about taking my cat to the vet at 60 quid a pot? Choose wisely. Yeah, I don't really want to hear about your cat and going to the vet especially with some of those pictures you've sent of your cat i don't i don't want to know any more than what you've already sent me <clears throat> let's pick a topic that's going on in the world because i think what you said in the last statement too um i think people are trying to rewrite history right now especially with uh ukraine and russia and the wars that are going on people are going to try and rewrite history with this FTX scandal. Um, Trump is going to try and rewrite history with the 2020 election. Uh, it's all pretty wild. So pick pick your poison. You, you take the topic and we'll go whichever way you want to go. Oh, the FTX is a fascinating one, isn't it? I remember when Biden came in, um, now, I was I was picking up on a sentiment that people were saying, well, expect wars to start up again because, you know, uh, Biden, although Trump said he wasn't going to do any more wars, we know that the military industrial complex or industrial militarized complex, whatever it is, loves a good war. And and yet Biden pulled out of Afghanistan abruptly. And I don't know if it was you or one of the videos we've been watching saying it's probably you actually saying, well, yeah. He could pull out of Afghanistan because he could jump onto the Ukrainian war for the, um, what's the word, the fence, <laughs> the criminal fence, the recipient of um, war funds. And the, the ideas, the theories, the, um, the hypotheses of how 
using a war, basically use a war to push taxpayers money, billions of it through the war apparatus and then bring it back to the people in charge. That is frightening. Uh, absolutely correct. Um, it's been it's been going on for 30 or 40 years now. The, there's the military industrial complex is nothing more than a money laundering machine to extract wealth from the US taxpayer. And you have the most corrupt country in the world in Ukraine. I mean, just think about the withdrawal from Afghanistan and how many billions of dollars we left in military equipment there. Um, the, the, what I find amazing, and I hope it comes out in the media, we've seen some preliminary reports about FTX, about how all this money got uh sent to ukraine and then was converted back to fiat currency and fed back into u.s politicians i'm not saying one party or the other i'm just saying you can sort of see how there's this circular economy of ripping off the u.s taxpayer funneling it through the military industrial complex through to these corrupt countries. And, you know, there's some gonna be some big investigations on Biden, Hunter Biden, his overseas connections, uh, how this money was sort of filtered back into the different political parties. And um, it's a, it reminds me, it's very similar to the conspiracy theory of the US military has never been audited in history of where any of these funds go. And uh, that's something that I think, you know, if you were a business person, you would want to understand where is this money going? Where are these arms going? And what is it actually doing? Not just the propaganda of who's winning the war. Yep. Under the fog of war, many billions can be uh, trafficked, it seems. I, I, and you know, didn't the Pentagon write off a debt of uh, a couple of trillion or something? I, I think it was around 9-11. I think it was just before 9-11. They declared that, yes, they owed trillions of dollars. And after 9-11, uh, let's not discuss that anymore. You know, that was pretty much the official line. Um, with regards to the numbers, though, I, I, I forgot I wanted to say, I remember reading a, an article in Sunday Times, I think it was, which described the financing of war and Halliburton. I think that's the company which, you know, supplied a lot of hardware to the U.S. military out in Afghanistan or Iraq. Um, and I remember, you know, reading a report on there saying, well, the, the, the trucks they, sent over, they send over, the tires have got a, the wheels have got a specialist bolt to, uh, to loosen the nut holding the wheels in place. So you have to have that tool in order to change a tire, but they weren't supplied with the tools. So instead, when your truck has got a, a flat, a puncture, you just send over a new truck. Let's say that again, when you have a flat tire, you just send over a new truck. And that sounds, that sounds fantastical. It sounds beyond belief, but it's what happens. How many? How many millions? Uh, when it comes back to the FTX, though, 
I want to see some quantities, you know, may, yeah. Okay. They, they've established what the circuit is, but let's actually quantify it before we, you know, jump in with condemnation and we need to actually quantify this to see how much of a problem it really was or wasn't. Yeah. It just depends on how far the rabbit hole you want to go down. I mean, part of the conspiracy theory with nine 11 was the Pentagon got hit with an airplane, right? Yet there's no wreckage. There's no footage. And, uh, in my opinion, the missile that hit the part of the Pentagon was the accounting office. Cause you're right. They were under audit. They were going to have to account for trillions of dollars. And, uh, after 9-11 happened, oh, bye-bye, no more. We'll just put that one in the memory hole. Now, that's a bit conspiracy, but it's completely believable in my mind. Halliburton, <clears throat> which was, uh, Dick Cheney was CEO of before, uh, before becoming vice president. Uh, yes, they supplied arms. Yes, they supplied military vehicles. But their real crime, or to me, their real uh, money-making machine was they were in charge of the reconstruction of Iraq. So the military went and blew the hell out of Iraq, killed a million people. And then they had these private contractors, Halliburton being the main one, like to, to your point, well, we'll just send another, if we get a flat tire, we'll send another truck. If uh, this doesn't work, we'll just go build something else. We'll go build some bridges. We'll go build all this other jazz. And uh, those guys made out like bandits. I mean, they're almost worse than the Koch brothers, if you're familiar with the Koch industries and uh, all the businesses they own. I, I agree with you. Let's see how the FTX story unfolds. But I think there's a lot more there than what meets the eye. And I think these guys are only scratching the surface on how deep it goes. Because you don't get into those numbers, you know, the 40 billion type numbers, without having some connections and some protections somewhere within the system. Well, I never knew that about Dick Cheney being part of Halliburton. What a coincidence. As for uh, FTX and the connections, yeah, no doubt. I mean, we've seen that his, what was it, uh, Stanford professors, MIT, MIT professors, parents, you know, like so many of these things, it's about connections. This is what annoys me about Greta Thunberg. Everyone thinks that it was just one lone girl. No. Uh, her friends were best friends with uh, one of Sweden's best PR guys. And he gave her the sign and he said, uh, go sit outside there and I'll take the photos. Yeah, these things are always done with a network. And it's well, usually, if it gets anywhere, it's because it's a network of very powerful people. Now, does this mean that they're going to do an Epstein on a curly-haired guy? Mm, no. He is under, what is that, house arrest in the Bahamas right now? He's too young. He's too young. They can't, they can't pick him off. His parents would go rogue. So, uh, you know, this is a bit like David Cameron sh shagging the pig's head. It's about having info on each other so that you're all beholden to each other and you don't snitch. You don't snitch. You don't snitch, do you? Yeah, I think, I think, I mean, Epstein's the perfect public example we've ever had to show the blackmail scheme that these guys are all 
There's a woman. <clears throat> I'm gonna I'm gonna buy a couple of books. Uh, I haven't read them, um, but I follow her. Her name's Whitney Webb. If you've ever heard of her, and she wrote a couple of books. She takes it back to the 1940s in America with the mafia, and it the, the title of the book is called "One Nation Under Blackmail," and she's done two volumes. The first volume sort of goes up until probably pre-Epstein, and then the second one sort of focuses on more of the CIA and Epstein, the blackmail that's going on. But what'll really blow your mind if you've never looked into this stuff and if you didn't understand about Cheney or uh, Bill Barr, who's the former AG, who is the former uh, lead counsel for the CIA, is a guy by the name of Eric Prince. And this guy is a former U.S. Navy SEAL officer, and he was the guy who founded the company called Blackwater. If you remember, Blackwater got in a lot of trouble. They're sort of mercenaries. So when the U.S. military can't uh, legally go in and do stuff, they hire out to these pi private contractors. This guy is so audacious, he wanted his own Air Force. I mean, this guy had his own private military in North Carolina. And the crazy thing is about him is I think he was the one guy in the intelligence community that was protecting Trump. And his sister, a woman by the name of Betsy DeVos, uh, was appointed to the head of the Education Council uh, under Trump. So just like you say, there's a lot of ties. There's a lot of connections. There's a lot of people wrapped up in a lot of this stuff together. There is. But I remember having conversations with my, um, my Tory elderly uncle. Lovely, lovely chap. Staunch Tory. I think even he, he, he voted UKIP. And even people were saying, you ought to run for UKIP. Sitting and having a conversation with him was fantastic. though, And uh, I did put it to him about the PPE purchases and everything, which you know blew up during COVID. And the mad rush to give what looked like mates some money and contracts to get things done. And he was trying to say, yeah, but he goes, you got to, you got to remember like all of us, you know, he goes, if you want to get something done quick, you call upon the people that you know. And so it's not so much nepotism. It's just a case of it when you've got to get something done, you know, you can't just go to the phone book and start pulling out numbers of people you don't trust, you don't know, you've never spoken to before, or they just don't even advertise their services in that way. Sometimes all you can do is turn to the people that you know. Um, and I must be honest, comrade, I mean, if I was in a position of power, I'd certainly want my close-knit group around me. You know, problem is, if you, uh, you're in a position of power, there'll always be snakes around trying to get some of that power and influence of yours. So a lot of the time, although it looks like nepotism, it isn't, but it's very hard to uh, understand that when there's so much money flying around. What did I read recently about 14,000 pounds to change a toilet for the White House or something? That, could, uh, that I mean, obviously that makes sense. You're gonna turn to who you know, who you trust and who can get the job done. My, my point was more of um, there's a bigger, I don't have the right word for it. I would call it a cabal, but then people would say I was a conspiracy theorist. Um, but, you know, if you've got the, 
Former CEO of Halliburton handing out no-compete contracts to rebuild an entire country. You've got the U.S. military handing out non-compete contracts to a mercenary army. Um, there's more than just friendly connections here. And, uh, yeah, it's like it's like say, okay, $14,000 for a toilet in the White House? Yeah, great. What, is, what does NASA spend? Didn't NASA get in trouble for, like, spending, you know, $9,000 on a hammer that would work in space? Or, like, a, an ink pen that would write upside down? I mean, the amount of waste in government is just, if you ran it like a business, you just... You, you would be fired tomorrow. You would just absolutely, I've never worked in a company where I wouldn't just be fired for blowing uh, taxpayer dollars like that. But again, they just get away with it. They move on. They print more money. They strip the value. And, uh, you know, we are where we are and inflation is where it is. I don't care how traditional economics says well, economies of scale drive the price of goods down. Well, inflation drives the price of goods up. So it doesn't matter how efficient you get. The government is going to continue to just strip the wealth from the public and transfer it to itself. So many truth bombs in what you just said. And all I can think of is a hammer that works in space. <laughs> I'm going to come back to that in a minute. But yes, what you said about the mercenaries, uh, Blackwatch or Blackwater, yep, horrific. Um, and you're right, it is a cabal, you know, all in together kind of thing. But I'm going to come back to the hammer because <laughs> scientific fact. I've read somewhere that if you put two pieces, uh, two alloys together in space, they will immediately fuse. It's something to do with vacuums. And um, so, so here's a little thing to go out on is for all the stories that if you delve a little bit deeper, oh, actually, there is a reason for these things that we just don't see on the apparent surface. I get what you said. I do. But at the same time, it's an amazing fact that metals will fuse in space. Hence, that's your hammer. All they need is a bit of sellotape or scotch tape over the end to solve the problem, but maybe not. I don't know, but it is a reminder that we need to dig a little deeper than just the surface level to get the facts of a story. Eh? Um, as for uh, the amount of money though, no, I'm with you on this. Do your job, be productive, and then you hear about all of this, which is why I just don't trust massive institutions that are given a blank check. I just don't because they never feel uh, the pressure to make things um, efficient and profitable. And uh, it's one of the reasons why I hate the BBC. But that's another topic for another day. Over to you. Yeah, don't get me started on the BBC. 20 years ago, I thought they were the best thing in the world. Uh, today, I can't stand them. But um, I, guess, I guess there's always an, a reason. There's always a spin. There's always something you can put on it. So let's go out with my song to the U.S. government. She's paper money, well I'm in need. Yeah, she's a trifling friend indeed. Oh, she's a gold digger. 